Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dismantling the Ivory Tower. I am your host, Elijah John. I am joined by my co-host, uh, Dr. Clifford C. Meeks. How you doing, Doc? I'm well. Peace, everybody. I am joined today by DJ Cutting Candy. How are you doing, Candy? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me here and joining you both. <laughs> of course. Thank you very much for coming on. And I'm joined by DJ Davey B. Cook. How you doing, man? I'm good. Good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. So uh, you guys are a couple of living hip-hop legends. Uh, we got some actual hip-hop legends in the house right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to kind of start off, I would just like to hear a little bit about both of you guys. Maybe tell for our listeners who maybe aren't aware of uh, who you are, kind of where you came up. Candy, I'll start with you. Oh, um, let's see. I've been DJing for quite some time. Um, I always like to say I'm retired now, but people don't always let me retire. <laughs> 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 uh, especially someone like Davey uh, always, um, you know, uh, reminds me who I am. And, um, you know, I've been um, DJing for, like, I feel like, 20 plus years, right? And, um, but I really uh, do a lot of things, really, like as an organizer, as a parent, um, really on the ground, pretty much. And, and I'm also a poet, I'm a writer, um, and, you know, I'm really part of the community and a believer of, of social justice mm-hmm. and, and for the people. I, I don't just do things because it's what I love. I do things because I believe in in the work that I do because it, I want to serve people. I want to serve the community. So that's essentially who I am as a person. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very yeah, much for thank sharing. Thank you for sharing. Davey, uh, how about yourself? Could you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a belly dancer. <laughs> for, <laughs> for women over 80. <laughs> Cause they'll pay, you know. They'll pay to see that. I believe you know, it. You know, I believe it. And they'll give you house notes and house deeds and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, inheritance. You know, so <laughs> about that hustle. No, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I'm a DJ. Um, some people like to use the word historian, but somebody who's been involved and been around hip hop since the '70s. I started out as an MC from the Bronx and. You know, I'm situated in Oakland where, you know, that's that's the place that nurtured me to another level. Mm-hmm. And I'm a staple there. And, um, you know, I'm a professor over at SF State and, you know, a husband and a father. So that's that's what I am. Absolutely. All Absolutely. Right. Well, I got a, I got some questions that are, you know, specific to both of you. Um, but Candy, seeing <coughs> how we introduced you first, I'm gonna ask you a question first. Um, so you've been like a, completely a trailblazer, you know, as a woman in the DJ scene, particularly reaching the DMC USA Finals. Um, how do you think gender dynamics in the DJ scene have changed since you started, and what further changes would you like to see? Mm, good question. You know, when I first started, um, I, I knew that there were folks, you know, before me. And I always want to honor that, you know. Um, There were definitely people like Jazzy Joyce, DJ Jazzy Joyce Mm -hmm. Legends, like that. But there were even folks before Jazzy Joyce that people didn't know about, like Wanda B and other other, uh, women DJs and such. And um, even before, you know, long before, you know. And um, and then I, I seen, 
you know, people like uh, DJ Lazy K, because she was the actual first person I saw live before Jazzy J, Jazzy, uh, Jazzy Joyce. I had seen uh, Lazy K in a battle, and I was blown away with DJ, you know, um, Lazy K. And then I seen um, DJ um, Symphony on a video, and she's Panay. So as someone who's Filipinox like me, seeing her on a video, I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to meet DJ Symphony. But then I saw Pam the Functress on a video. Then I got to meet her in person. Mm. Um, and uh, <coughs> and just meeting Pam the Functress um, in person and just really getting to know her over the years, I, I felt like a kindred, spin, uh, kindred spirit with Pam the Functress, to be quite honest, uh, more than any other DJ um, that I've met personally as a, another woman DJ. Um, more really because I felt like there was something about her that I felt really closely connected to, um, just her spirit, to be quite honest, and the, the love and passion and the kindness that she had, really. And she could throw down. <laughs> and she was, she was just a really dope DJ. Yeah. A really dope DJ. And the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of times I, I want to really dispel the fact that there weren't women DJs because there were. When I traveled, when I really traveled, I met women DJs. Mm. I met them. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there isn't the fact that there wasn't any. There really were. I think it just was the fact that people weren't putting them on. You know, as they began to travel, pe- there were. There were. Yeah. I started meeting them along the way. And then there were people, there were women that wanted to learn, too. There were women that wanted to learn, and there were people that wanted to learn more. So, and then on top of that, what changed over time, I think, um, we're also at a different generation now with, you know, obviously back then when I had to learn, I, you know, rolled with folks that I rolled with that I just picked up, you know, the skill sets and took things home and learned or other folks I just kind of like taught myself or people taught me or I just kind of just secretly learned sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. But but I would have to say that <coughs> now you can learn on YouTube. Now you can learn on video. Like you don't you back then with videos back then too. Like honestly, they were like golden if you had a video. You like had a you had you got a hold of a video and you're like Especially back then, you like some people wanted to secretly have them. <laughs> you had a video, especially battle tapes. You're like, oh, you got that secret video that no one else had. Like that's a secret video. Like no one and no one wanted to share it sometimes. But so if you had, yeah, you, you had the video, the NMS videos, the the new music seminar battles, and or any of the DMC tapes. You were like, oh, dude, like that's special because now you knew like you could learn secret patterns. Right. But now, like everyone knows the patterns now like chase patterns or like, you know, uh, swing patterns. Like everyone knows those patterns now. And, um, but back then they were treated like gold. They were really, um, they were really treated really special. And now you could just learn off of videos. So that's the biggest difference now. Sure. Um, and so now the, the it's open for anyone to learn. And so I wouldn't say it's easier because it's still hard. Of course. I mean, like if I, if I had more time in my hands, like I'd, I would learn all the newer skill sets that are out there. You know what I'm saying? And it's still a challenge. Um, so I wouldn't say it's any easier. It really isn't. You really have to pick up the time and um, to learn things. But 
I would say it that's what's the difference now mm-hmm. and there is more more women, more folks out there. I would say the doors have opened. People are are more open to diversity too than there were back then. Um and more open to challenging themselves. But I don't know. I want I'm curious what Davy thinks too. Absolutely. Well let me just say, you know, there's always been women DJs. Um I mean, there was Baby D with Mercedes Ladies. Yeah. You know, there was Pam Bada, who I never saw, but people talk yeah. about um, in the early days. And, of course, Wanda D was out there. And um, when I moved to the Bay, you know, we can't forget, and I'm always going to shout her out, um, Paige Hodell, mm-hmm. right? To this day, Paige Hodell held down the longest hip-hop club in the Bay Area. Mm. And what made it interesting about Paige is that at that time, um, Paige had a club called The Q, right? And she's uh, queer, right? Even before that word was around. Mm -hmm. Um, Because gay men in the Bay tended to play um, a lot of that up-tempo house, not even house, but, you know, like this disco thing. But a lot of lesbian women at that time would club to hip hop. Mm-hmm. And so if you wanted uh-huh. hip hop, you had to go to the queue. Okay. I mean, because a lot of clubs weren't really banging it and, and Paige was like, you know, EPMD, two live crew and was thrown oh, down. Wow. <laughs> and was a was a really good DJ. Um and probably one of the first to be on radio to actually do a set. You know, so you gotta shout out there was another woman named Danger Girl. Um, that was out at that time. There was Pam the Functuous, the late Pam the Functuous, and uh, a sister named Dominique the Prima, mm-hmm. shout her out, who did Home Turf, had a DJ named Ruby Navarro, who was like a martial artist mm-hmm. as well. So I remember, I, I bring them up because the fascination of seeing a wom- woman DJ, for me, wasn't there because those DJs were your competition. They were real good. Yeah. You know, like Pam was like, you weren't, Pam was no novelty. Pam was somebody who would bust your ass, yeah. you yeah. know, and keep it moving. So <laughs> when you came to, when you saw some of these folks, you had to be on point, Paige, yeah. same way. And they, they carried themselves with, you know, like, like, you know, like, ain't no, you know, like, um, like, Look at them funny right. and, and and be tripping. It's like you better make room at the table because yeah. they'll turn over the table. So, you know, I knew them, and then I met people like Candy and others. <laughs> you know, and then of course we heard of Jazzy Joyce and and um, uh, Coco Chanel, yes, who's I also pretty dope. So, uh, to me, just as a DJ, I probably learned more from the women DJ than a lot of guys. Um, primarily because they read the crowds better. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, down to my wife, whose playlist, I'm like, what, what do you got? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, you know, just, just a lot, you know, a lot of the women DJs that are out in the Bay, you know, the whole, um, um, uh, uh, Peaches crew, yeah, you know, crew. you know, Lady Ryan and DJ Umani, Umami and all those folks there. They're devastating DJs, and when they're on a set, you you better listen. K-Sly in L.A., and, mm-hmm. you know, so there's a lot. And I don't know if that's been a change. I think, if anything, um, I think women DJs tend to dominate at this point. Yes. You do. know, and I think a lot of club owners realize that they bring a different flavor to the club, 
So it was like, I'd rather have you than Homeboy, who's going to play like 15 <laughs> drill songs drill and right. not read the crowd. Yeah. You know, whereas, you know, I learned to watch them be like, you got to read that room and you got to pick up a whole different energy. And I think yes. that's been very valuable. So I give them props for opening me up to, to really understanding um, the dynamics of, of, of energy in a room, you know, yeah. from my wife on down. I mean, Natasha was in Soul in the Horn in New York City kills it, like, with that vibe, too. Like, I mean, you d they just bring a whole different level yeah. of music range, too. Yeah. Yes, yes. So there's a lot of women DJs that <laughs> you just got to, you know, ain't no big deal now. You might, it's getting to a point, the dude up there? <laughs> How'd he get in this yeah, club? What's he doing? <laughs> what's he doing? <laughs> Uh. Right, right. And speaking of the diversity, too, the queer and trans community, too. Like, you also have DJs like DJ um, Akiko Love, like, who's a turntablist, who's really killing it on the scene, and first open trans DJ in the turntable scene that was kill killing it. That's a well. big deal. Yeah. It is a very big deal. Wow. So you, this this is a real, like, diverse community, but they've always also been there. Sure. Mm -hmm. And in the turntable scene, that was also the first time someone's been open in the turntable scene too mm. you know it's definitely well thank you both for your very in-depth answers on those um that's really important to to talk about uh davey here's a question for you sort of given your deep understanding of hip-hop's history and its roots how do you feel hip-hop has evolved in its role as a tool for social and political commentary and and do you think it holds the same power that it did 50 years ago when it started well i don't know if hip-hop had the intention of changing um, at that time. I think Bambata had the intention of changing, I, you know, despite the controversy he did form Zulu Nation and had, you know, a game plan to kind of uplift. Mm -hmm. um, I think for many, and many of us who participated, it was just like, this is something to do, this is something that is fresh, and I want to be a part of it, and by default, the fact that there was an intentionality to silence and ignore a bunch of people, large populations, that um, it became a political act, whether it was intended or not. You can look back and be like, yeah, but I think at the time nobody was sitting there going, we out here trying to continue sure. the legacy of these movements that came before. First of all, most people are really young, you know, and didn't have the same type of understanding of what was going on. And if if you came out of the vein of the civil rights movement, doing this stuff was actually an embarrassment, mm. you know? So mm -hmm. your parents are like, what the <coughs> hell's going on? And so th you had all those types of things. But with that being said, hip hop gave voice to a lot of people who were voiceless. And when you had the, the planning and eventual manifestation of people speaking truth to power and being political with their wisdom, hip-hop definitely served a role, you know, the public enemies and what have you, because they were able to articulate on big microphones what everybody didn't have access to. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, you're not dealing with just artists, but you're dealing with people who come out of the hip-hop aesthetic or hip-hop generation. And so I was just talking with Griff. Do I necessarily need Griff to say fight the power when, you know, somebody is on YouTube or, or IG with five million followers, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And are they able to articulate that? So they come out of a hip-hop aesthetic, but they may not rap and they may not, <laughs> you know, sure, sure, uh, right. do those things. And that's that's a whole other ball of wax as to 
are they in it for the money? Are they in it for the glory? Are they in it for the social change? Right. I think in terms of <clears throat> artists, I think there's been a continuum. Um, I'll shout out Cardi B, who uses her platform, and I think at times has been political and has helped. I think you know people like Bun B and others have right. yep. you right. know made yeah. it a point to sit down and and use their platform to speak. But I also think there's scores of others and movements that have emerged from Ferguson to the Oscar Grant movement mm -hmm. to, you know, um, all the various resistance against police uh, terrorism. That's all built out of hip-hop, but hip-hop, th that hip-hop, people who have been in those movements are also clear that they've built up off the legacy of the Panthers and right. others. And then, of course, you have, like, you know, if Rosa Clemente was here, she would shout out the grassroots, um, Malcolm X grassroots movements and all those other iterations of movements that have continued with a particular radical politic that is all situated as in hip-hop but is a continuum of, you know, cultural aesthetics that are pushing for people's liberation mm -hmm. versus, you know, having as a goal um, to desire to be, you know, the next, you know, record label darling, if I can. <laughs> Most definitely. Candy, right. is there anything that you kind of want to add to that or, or talk about? Hmm. For me, the work has always been social justice and hip-hop as a tool, right, for that. Um, and particularly in the work that I've, and speaking for self, for the work that I've always done is to use hip-hop as the vehicle for that. But in the movements, it's always been that. You know what I mean? And um I just follow and the lead of all of the folks in the movement of hip hop and what they've always done. And for me as an organizer, because I center my work, um, I center my work as organizing and I use the hip hop as a tool for that. So whenever I organize, um, it has that hip hop aesthetic. Yeah. It's a hip hop it's mindset. It's right. Yeah, I, I think we gotta move away from trying to figure out you know, is hip hop the? You know, is hip hop political? If I can, yeah. if I may, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, first of all, it's fifty years old. <laughs> that means you have practitioners who are damn near seventy, yeah. right? <laughs> and right. and the rest of us are fifty and forties and thirties, right? So by default, being black in America, um, being a person of color from marginalized communities in America, you damn well better be political. Yeah, especially at a time with the Ron DeSantoses and. Yeah. And and <laughs> the and the Donald Trumps mm -hmm. to not be political is political. Right. It means yep. that you have opened yourself up to become you know devoured by right. a power that is very keen on and getting rid of you. So I think we all have a responsibility to to to, to, to be politicized, mm -hmm. and we can ask questions as to what vein we're following within the politics. But to Candy's point, you know the. There's a hip-hop aesthetic that I think we come from, and when I mean when I say aesthetic, I'm talking about um, being able to make something out of nothing, being resourceful, mm -hmm. figuring out how to be yep. subversive, yep. Um, to 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 um, figure out how to move the crowd. Yep. All these different types of things are part of what we do. I think almost intuitively, right? Yep. Um, when you have opportunity to, to drop seeds and plant seeds, when you have to kick down doors, those are yep. all strategies in themselves. So sometimes we're kicking down doors, other times we're sliding things in, 
And 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 the other thing I think is hip hop is putting people on. Right. Yes. And I think that's yes. something yes. and I think that's something that's overlooked. So when I say putting people on, we we can look at uh, say Nipsey Hussle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the guy that's like, look, I'm gonna get my homie who's you know, just to kinda uh, paraphrase, here's the nerdy guy over here, here's the gangster guy over here, and here's this person over here. We're gonna have the nerdy guy go build up this uh uh center. You know, that, that we can make some money here. I'm going to have the street guy do these things, and I'm going to do that, right? So that's putting people on. If my position at SF State is the result of me knowing somebody like uh, uh, Donna Lisa when she was undergrad and helping her, and then her getting in a position to help me. Mm-hmm. And then because we're coming out of <coughs> hip-hop, the, the, the rule of thumb is mm-hmm. I put you on, you know, excuse my language, you better not fuck up because that's yes. my reputation, right? Yes. right? Yes. So yes. that means if, if, you know, if I use Dawn as an example, it's like, okay, she asked me to come in and, you know, do a little lecture at her at, at State, and she's like, oh, you know what? Maybe you can come co-teach the class. Now, I'm a celebrity. People know me out there, so I could just kind of roll through and just <laughs> do that. I could do the, I'm Davey D, you should know who I am. Yeah. But, because she gained me up on some stuff. It's like, yo, you know, what's this academy thing about? You right, know, right. Oh, okay, there's a meeting. I'm going to the meeting. You know, you studying this rubric thing or whatever it is. <laughs> okay, how you doing syllabuses? You know, I learned all that and I made sure that my A game was going to be the same A game that I would bring as a DJ, the same A game that I would mm-hmm. bring as an MC because I'm part of the crew and I ain't going to let her look bad. You know, she you can't be like that's your man, that's your homie that you put on. Right. So there's an expectation to bring the A game, and and the A game at this point was to learn everything I needed to know, so that I could elevate, and which I did. So you saw LeBron James do that, right? That's a hip hop thing. Right. He he's like, okay, let me soak up game, let me put my people on, and all his people went on to, you know, bigger and better heights. To take it directly to hip-hop, I'll bring two people that you should really look at their trajectory. One would be Sway, right, and King Tech. How those guys maneuvered, right, was stealthily. So they were programming and consultants to programming at the radio station when nobody knew, right? Mm. You know, they were making those moves, and they were putting all their people on, and all their people were bringing A-games from point A to point B. So they got a person in the label. They got a person over here. They got a person over there. And those guys were moving as a unit, and you didn't know who was in the unit, but they were doing that, right, <laughs> in a very good way and elevate. Everybody elevates, right? And so you look at their their footprint. It's an immense one. It's like, wow, it's a lot of folks that have done some incredible things. The other person that I would look at is E-40, and the story I always tell and I joke with 40 about is that he was, uh, we were down in L.A., and they were um, shooting the video for this mini documentary and his album, which was the autobiography of Charlie Hustle. And he has two brothers, you know, Mosey and uh, D Sharp. Mm -hmm. And at this thing, I mean, you have, you know, party scene going on, there's food, there's all kind of people there. But his two brothers aren't doing anything, and they're hounding the um, film crew. 
they are like on them. Like they're like, yo, why you do that, man? What's that? And D Sharp, D Sharp, his brother's a big guy. So I'm like, you know, you're trying to rob him because they <laughs> because he's asking questions like, yo, what's the camera for? What kind of camera is that? You know, mm-hmm. kind of lights is that? Why you do it that way? And you know, and so I'm like, forty, what's up with your brothers? And he was like, yo, Dave, look, we pay fifty thousand dollars to do this video, right? We ain't paying fifty thousand dollars again. Their job is to soak up as much game and flip that, right? So this is their class. This is the, so they're gonna learn. Right. And we giving you fifty thousand dollars, but they, my my crew, my my team is gonna soak up all this game. So this is the last fifty you're getting from us. And so to me, that that's you know some of it is Bay Area hustle, mm-hmm. some of it is just understanding that um, we're putting everybody on and everybody got to do their game. Last one I would say, even I said this too, would also be looking at how Hyro has managed to move in Living Legends, right? Oh, yeah. So all those folks, if you look at their trajectory, everybody brings A games and they bring a skill set, and nobody comes up short. Next you're level. Not, you're not allowed to come up short. Wow. You know, next level. And wow. that goes back to being in a crew. So yeah. if, you know, Candy, if you if you – if if people brought you in as a DJ, yep. right, or you bring somebody in as a DJ, and we're coming up to battle you two, and she stayed up all night to do her routine, and I'm out here on Bourbon Street messing around, then we have the expectation like you at Bourbon Street because you got your routine down. But if you showed up at this battle and she stayed up all night to work on her routine and I come up short, there will be hell to pay because yeah. why was you on Bourbon Street exactly. when we had a battle? You made the crew look bad. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And that's yeah. some that's an aesthetic that all of us should have mm-hmm. as marginalized people who are trying to bust down doors. Don't you dare yeah. make me look bad. Yeah. And I'll just leave it at that. You yeah. know, it's a long I, answer, but I want to yeah. make sure. Nah, that's a good no, answer. I want to make great. sure that we that all great. understand yeah. the importance yeah. of that. It reflects upon all of us. Yeah. It reflects yeah. upon all of us. Absolutely. But I, I think if I I may, I think yeah. that kind of speaks to uh, the mindset you all were talking about in the pre-conference aspect of it, because here it is, I'll speak for myself, I was always looking at it from the concept of a culture, but mm-hmm. at least one of the takeaways I feel like I was coming from, or at least I walked away mm-hmm. with after listening to you and Candy and Mikey and o- Omeka is, is and, and even uh, Donalise was, wait a minute, Perhaps is it the culture evolving into a mindset, even though the, the mindset's always been there, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like through the examples you use, David D. But I've also like, am am I is my question correct, or am I how am I supposed to look at this now? Because what I'm endeavoring to do is take this, take a lot of what I took away from you all back to my students, and utilize it and help them to kind of see that. You know, these elements, whether you're talking about the actual five elements, which are tangible, but even the intangible ones, mm. like you're saying, like, no, you know, and, and in some respects, it's kind of how the podcast kind of came about. I I just said, look, I need to do a podcast, but I know good and well, I didn't know how to operate the equipment or anything, <laughs> but Elijah was like, you know, I knew his skill set and I knew what he was capable of doing. So it was like, okay, let's come, let's merge the two. And so, but, but I guess in terms of a bigger picture though, and particularly in the halls of academia, how do you translate that though? So, so that students can kind of really grasp it. 
So, you know, and Candy, jump in if you want yeah. there. Um, B-Girl Maka, when she showed her mm -hmm. video for people who are listening, she had uh, some people that were on that were, like, making this claim, like, no, this, I'm tired of hearing that hip-hop came out of the gangs, right? Yeah. right? And I took offense to that, right, you know, because, and, and here's why. It did absolutely come out of gangs, <laughs> but <laughs> you also have to understand what the gangs were dealing with. Yes. Right. First yes. of all, there was a politic to a lot of the gangs. Yes, right? it was. Yes, and it, it was. And it was a very deliberate one. So if you if you talk to people like Daruba Ben Wahad and yeah. others, right, mm -hmm. and even the conflict that has emerged where people are like looking at the roots and, you know, Bronxdale, the folks in Bronxdale now, Sotomayor Houses, you know, if you look at them, they're like, man, you know, like, I don't know what's going on, but they're like clear, like when we were coming up, all of us protected the neighborhood, and right. they felt like right. that was right. being ignored. So here's the deal with the gang, right? If you in a set, you better not come up short, right? right? right. So everybody's on, right? And and so that's a carryover, too. Or are you going to be held accountable? Now, here you are in academia in an adverse situation, adversarial situation oftentimes, so you probably, you know, if you're an administrator or a professor or lecturer or whatever, you you there and you're trying to hold on to, you know, budgets and making sure you can keep curriculum going and all that. And here comes, you know, um, some students that are coming in and, and, and somebody's making the claim, well, these students only want to get high and they want to get drunk and they just want to hang out. And, and, and that's why we're going to make the budget cut. Dude, you know, you better be on your point. We can't afford to have this mess up. And so if you look at it from the gangs themselves and them understanding, like, everybody got to be on point because it's, an, it's, it's about survival, mm -hmm. we got to have the same mindset as we move up. And I'll conclude by saying the opposition sees us as an existential threat, mm. you know, the blackening and browning of America. So they have crewed up. They have teamed up. They have made sure, look, we're going to put you on Fox News, Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson. We're going to put you over here in Congress, Laura Breitbart and Marjorie Green. We're going to set up some organizations, Candace Owens, and we're going to get you all <laughs> right. So they right, all right. move as a unit, mm -hmm. right? right? And they all bringing whatever heat they have. They bringing their A game to the table. What's the counter? So if you're sitting up here kicking back and just ignoring this fight that's coming, First of all, I don't want you on the team anymore, and I'm going to link up with other people who have a similar mindset that's ready to go because they're saying go, and I'm sure as hell in the position and the mindset like I'm ready to go. So who's going? Candy, you ready to go? You ready to go? Right. You know, you ready to go. <laughs> if you ain't ready to go, then fall back, and then, yeah. you know, you can't be in the crew. Right, yeah. right. You can't be in the crew because right. this is more than just a physical thing. It's a mindset, which is a spiritual thing. Right. So we're right. tapping into a whole vibe, yes. right? It's a vibe okay. like, you know, like we, we can't have you coming up short, and it's got to be said emphatically. we got to hold you accountable when you're not, and, and, and it means – all of us got to study. All of us got to, you know, sharpen our skills. All of us got to be aware. Like Candy's a better DJ than me. You don't do you don't do the electricity. You got the voice, but he got the skills for this, you know. And 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 all of us got to bring that to the table, and understand that the end game is for us to not only survive but to thrive and vanquish 
this enemy that's trying to vanquish us. Right. Yeah. 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 Can, Candy, do you have something to add? I just want to. Yeah, no, go ahead. Right, right, right. I mean, I do in so many contexts. I mean, think that in regards to that definitely is a lot of the hip hop mindset. This, this, um, the challenging of, of the, of that, like going to the next level, mm -hmm. the wanting to, the expectations that comes against us as black, indigenous, people of color communities. There's always this heavy expectations of us. But I also want to challenge that in terms of, and here comes the, 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 the mind frame of, of the respectability politics that we also got to push back against at uh, times, you know what okay. I mean? So I want to bring in that piece, the, the work that we've also got to do to push back against the things that come against us too. And so... Those are the things that come to me, and as an abolitionist, I definitely agree in the fact that I don't agree because as an abolitionist, when, when people come attacking in gang communities, because we're all communities of color, black folks, all we're always policed, so our gang communities are protecting our communities, right. you know? Right. Yeah. It's a, like Davey's saying, is like, protecting the communities right and asian communities also has gangs right. you know yeah. what i'm saying <laughs> so at, at my organization itself we we have our organization also works around mass incarceration and such so th this thing is for me i think when it comes to hip-hop you know i also feel there should be and maybe there is and it's a question to explore is can we explore pushing back as well because I think we do. I really actually think we do. I think we question respectability politics all the time right. because it's something that Mickey McKendall talks about, right? Mm -hmm. in, in, in the work <coughs> that she does, right? In respectability politics. So I think we, as hip hop, that's what I do. I question that all the time. I, res I question respectability politics all the time. As a hip hop artist, that's what I do, right? Yeah, but I, I think respectability politics is um, we we need to look at what exactly does that mean. Yeah, and respectability politics means to me going out of your way to silence some folks mm -hmm. for the comfort of others. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's very different mm -hmm. than us strategizing to have a fight. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you're in the, if uh, if you come to my radio station, I'm gonna give you the rules ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I need you to use the King's English. I need you to do this, that, and the other. Don't tell me all oh, this respect. No, no, no. I'm talking to a million people. We need this platform, so I don't need you to show up mm. and show out because this is what this is this is the vehicle. Just like if there's a cop undercover. Right? right, you know he don't need to be showing his badge if he's wearing a do rag <laughs> and gold fronts right. to try and get intel on your criminal activity. Yeah. Right, so I need you to play the role. Right, mm -hmm. so in certain things, if you got a suit and tie on, then let that brother have his suit and tie on. I ain't gonna be well. You must be respectful. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> have your suit and tie right, on right, right. and do what you need to do because Hammer put it best. Right. right? If anybody knows Hammer, he's not somebody to mess with. Yeah. He, he he is no joke in terms of how he will deal with you, right? Mm -hmm. And anybody who's dissed him, 
he's had a conversation with and they came away like i won't do that again right <laughs> so he's a wow. real one right wow. he's a real That's one crazy. right okay right. but the the perspective that people had was oh he's wearing genie pants yeah so yeah. therefore we need to test them and as he would remind you know people he's from the hood right so he doesn't need to you know i'm from the, yeah, he's yeah. from that he's <laughs> from that but he he explained to me once he said man i wear these genie pants because the genie pants allows me to perform at a stadium versus a nightclub. These genie pants wow. allows me to take these 50 guys that just came out of jail, mm. who I'm saying don't go back on the block, but come roll with me, to pay wow. them, right? Wow. So he doesn't need to be running out here at the time when he was at his height. He didn't need to run out there and be like, you know, I'm the gangster, because that's not going to allow him to be in the stadium where he can get $100,000 a show versus $500 a show. So while people were sitting back there, mm. you know, making these disparaging remarks, they didn't understand that there was a strategy in place. Mm. I just got you out of jail. I'm telling you not to go on the block. How And, and we got a job for you, right, which is, you know, the, the, ex, the uh, ascension of this career, right? that sold 14 million albums. We're putting everybody on. So how do you do that? Especially when you're saying, well, don't get a grant and don't beg and don't do this. So, okay, so I'm the product that is going to make this this money. And so everybody's got to play the role. And I think we got to be smart about that. Um, not that they should be the barometer, but there are people on the right that I've seen who are down with groups like the Proud Boys. Oh, yeah. Throw freestyle nights. Mm -mm. Really? Yeah, really? and do hip-hop stuff. I've had some of them sit in my class. You see what I'm saying? It's like, wow. I had people who would change their surname to what we would think is a Latino name, mm. right? Mm. So they're playing a game. Mm. They're soaking up cultural information. They're sitting in the back of the class learning language, right, mm. so that they can come back and be like, yo, Candy, you know, I like the way that you beat jungling and use your terms and then be in your space and then at the right moment be like, you know, the DJ thing needs to really move to the right and needs to build more prisons and needs to do some other stuff that is totally against what we stand for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that means all of us got to have a rooted politic, but we also have to be committed to a strategy and I, and I think, you know, again, if this brother Clifford who has his suit and tie on, I'm not going to be like, well, he has a suit and tie on because, you know, he's trying to impress people. You know, maybe he is, and he needs to do that. You, Brother, you need to do that. You need to go up the ladder <laughs> and do what needs to be done, right? And, 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 and you need to do what needs to be done, and... and you know, and, and you need somebody from the outside to say something, then that's when you bring your cousin in and he strategically yeah, comes in yeah. there and kicks up dust and, you know, plays that role. And then you go, oh, my gosh, I couldn't believe he did that. I gave him the key to come in, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, gotta that's got to play the game. Play the game. Okay. Oh. Yeah. And I was talking about principles that, that the principles to live by. And I think that's important because in hip hop, there's – there's always principles to live by. And that's essentially what is in the hip-hop mindset. And I think going back to your question, Clifford, in terms of 
that if the hip hop mindset has always been there, or um, I think I think it is. It's always been there because I think that's part of culture. Yeah, that is yeah. totally back. It's, it's totally part of the culture, the mindset. It's a part of how who we are, how we breathe, how we live, how we you know everything that I do is part of the part of that mindset. How I think, where I, how I operate, how I um how I make decisions every single time, mm-hmm. every single time. It's it. I know it's the hip hop way. Yeah, right. it's the hip hop way. Wow. Say so one other thing is that it's got to be rooted in love too. Yeah. Yeah. So you know we did this gig last night, right? And I would argue that everybody <laughs> bought their game. Some of it is competition, but some of it is like I do not want to disappoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Absolutely. I do not want to. I do, you know, like I don't want to disappoint. So everybody's coming up there, and it's like, I, you know, because the disappointment would be not. It would, might be hurtful to them, but it'd be hurtful to me. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, man, like you just screwed up. Like, I would feel bad. Like, you know, like, you missed the shot. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I'm not messing up. <laughs> That's my mindset. Like, I'm That's not, the hip-hop I, mindset. I, I, right, right. No, <laughs> I am not messing up. Like, I'm going to be on point on my thing. And I could see her. She's like, you know, was having trouble a little bit in the beginning yeah. um, before we got up there trying to figure out this thing. The but software. But yeah, oh my but God. she was trying to get the software. To, but Always when she software. came on, boom, 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 boom. Like, oh. <gasps> Oh, hey, she did hers. You saw Mecca. Right. Yeah. Mecca, Mecca came out there and killed it. She was it's like, there's no way I'm messing up. Right. So it's on you. Yeah. The series like, there's no way I'm messing and, up. And, you know, Davey made a really good DJ call. Mecca was shocked that she was going to go on right now. And I'm like, yeah, that's a DJ call. And that was a very good call. See, that's the hip-hop mindset right, right. there. But it was also going back to that women reading the crowd. Yeah. yeah. Because it. it was, well, no, I'm saying she wasn't supposed to go on. Just yeah. Siri was supposed to, to come on. on. Yeah. Oh, so she yeah. just, she knew, though. No, 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 this, no, is, no. this is what happened. So okay. we were going to do a celebration of 50 years of hip-hop. Okay. So I had all my little records ready. You know, it's like we're going to go through Tribe Called Quest, <laughs> and we're going to do all that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you had the New Orleans band come, right? Yeah. yeah. And so they set the vibe. So the vibe is very festive now, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So now I'm not coming into that festive space and playing Mob Deep. Because right. that would have yeah, yeah. been like that. I would yeah. Now, yeah. Davey would have played Mob Deep. But Davey, who's now thinking, like, what would my wife do? We ain't playing mob deep. Look at the, look 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 out here, right? Yeah. So yeah, right. I played. Um, I downloaded quickly some New Orleans music that I didn't mm. have. I played that, so we kept that vibe going. Yeah. And then you look, and it's like, okay, I'm seeing this. Oh, we're gonna play some backyard jams, mm-hmm. and we're gonna keep it that way. And then I see some Latin Latino folks up there. Let me toss on this salsa mm-hmm. record. Let me do this. Let me add the little biggie over the salsa beat. So it's a very festive thing. Mm. Now, I know Jasiri was scheduled to go on. And you're yes, looking see? at this, and we're like, yeah, man, if he, com- if he comes on and he's doing the whitest house and all that, mm. Mecca, you got Maka, you got to go out. Right. Because yeah. she can dance, and it's going to take that to another level. Right. right. And in yeah. the middle of that, Candy, you know, you know, picks up the vibe and does a little DJ set. 
Wow. A routine. So very so spontaneous. And, and even before that, like when I got on stage, I said, David, you got on the mic yet? He was like, no. And I said, let me grab this mic. And <laughs> everybody dancing. Uh, <laughs> man, it's crazy because that whole thing, like me watching that, I never would have known that. That that felt so natural. It all felt so natural. Um, And, you know, I, I would have expected that all of that would have been meticulously planned. No, that was, no. that was, but that, that comes from, um, it's like jazz. Yeah. Right? So, you know, the quote, um, uh, Wynton Marcellus, right? He's like, look, you know, we can all go to a club, right? And we can all get down and we can play around the melody, but because we're skilled, because we all have a game, right? We can go in any direction. So I ain't, I ain't played with Candy, but I know she's skilled enough that she can do it. I ain't played with Maka, but she's a dancer. So we all know there's a trust. Like, I know you can do your A game. And Jasiri's not egotistical, Right, so we could trust that. No, nah, I need to go first because there's 5,000 people out here, you yeah, know. Of course. So we don't have that problem. And then, you know, and then he didn't need the headline. He was like, I'm going to let the dude from New Orleans headline. And he stepped it up and was yeah. like, and, you know, and even in the middle of that, Jashiri's like, we're not going to do that song. We're just going to go to this. So he cut his, his set short because he could read it. Like, you know, let, and then in the middle of that, it's like, okay, we got it, this energy. Let's play a couple of more songs, right. right, in between. And so that was all of us just vibing. Yep. And I was supposed to do a second set. I was yeah. supposed wow. to do a turntable set, but I cut it short because I wanted the cypher to happen. I wanted to pay respect to the legends that were in there. And I was right. like, you know, let's cut my turntable set. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because the legends are in the room. We can't do a 50-year anniversary and not respect any of the other legends in the room, you know? Yeah, yeah it sounds like there was just like a, a sense of unity yeah. is, is what it sounds like to me. A sense of unity, but I, I guess what I'm picking up too is like the essence, the, the spiritual essence that was vibing with Siri. Because mm-hmm. you know, I I do agree, and I think it was Guru who once said like, you know, th- this 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 hip hop, you know, you call it a culture or whatever. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you can call my, it my a radio head came. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, you yeah. could call it a culture or what have you, but. Just the, the but but there's also like a spiritual essence about it. And so you all describing what happened, I was like, man, it's almost divine in some respects. It's and church. Yeah. And in some, in a lot of ways, I'm you know, some of the songs y'all were playing, I was like, Yeah, I gotta get out here on the dance floor and stuff. Uh, you and it, you, you did. Know, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and y'all are not gonna go back and y'all have no pictures, no evidence so whatsoever. I almost, so. I almost got a video, I was this close. So. <laughs> And then you saw, <laughs> see, hip-hop is participatory and it's communal. Yes. Mm-hmm. So once yes. we open up the cypher, um, the sister who we didn't even know, her name is Shamika, right? Yeah. 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 So I put on that two-short thing, and she spontaneously <laughs> does a whole two, she does a different version. She creates a song on the spot. Yeah. Yes. So now <laughs> you got to be in tune. Like, she's doing this blow-the-whistle thing. And that's when you got to be comfortable enough, like, I don't need to show up my DJ skills and play 15 records. We're going to keep this too short going. <laughs> right. <laughs> Until right. she finishes, you know, what she was zoning in on. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was something that <clears throat> was spontaneous. But that's, if you go to a church, a church is like Yes, you follow the, the vibe of the way. natural you conclusion. F- yeah. Exactly. If the preachers start singing and then, you know, the, the choir decides, you know, we, ne- we need to go to the next level. <laughs> you don't be, yeah. be like, you know what? Um, y'all need to stop. And then I need to make this announcement so that everybody yeah. can move their car. 
No. Wait a second, man. <laughs> nah, none of that. None of that. That's, really, that's a black church thing. Exactly. Yeah. Is what it is. Because, you know, I coming from sort of me, two different backgrounds, I've been to the sort of more white church spaces and the black church spaces, and it's the black church spaces are like what we were talking about. Like, yeah. there's that unity, there's that essence, there's that almost divinity, yeah. you know, to it. And, and you got to lean into it. Absolutely. You got to go with the flow. You got to just let it vibe out. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm still high off last night. You still high off it? I mean, yeah. I I came yeah. off there like, man, I'm 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 good. It was fun because I've never seen encore like that. Because every year that I've been here, I don't think there's been a big party like that no. in yeah. years I mean, ever. There's there's always been a party, but not like that. But not like that. And this is New Orleans, so yeah. it's it's a different yeah. it's a different thing. To be honest, this is a black hub. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it might have been those drummers that came in that set it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was it pretty was pretty cool to see it them. In it there. They came in there and they, you know, because I think when we came in, I was playing kind of jazz, mm -hmm. and then I, they boom, boom, boom. And yeah, like, and that sets the that sets and the tone. There was no way I was going back to Anita Baker. Just imagine <laughs> you can't do that. You right. can't do imagine that. Right. going back to Anita Baker. You know, it's like, well, I got my set here a little bit. You, know, <laughs> you love me, I love me not. No, yeah. dude, did you just? <laughs> That's when somebody goes, read the room. Did yeah. you just see the dude was on stilts doing backflips yeah, and everything? You, there's, there's, there's no, no way. going back. There's no, so I was none like, of that. Let me get this thing. Let me let me put this hypnotic brass band uh -huh. and get some of this New Orleans you music on. You had to adapt. Man. Man. adapt. Man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. Okay, well, I want to be conscious of your time, and you yeah. guys have been here for quite a while. So let me ask this final question um, and sort of just put this out to both of you. Considering that this is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, could you reflect on how you've seen the genre evolve throughout your career? But also, where do you see it going in the next 50 years? It, you know, we're at the we're at the 50-year mark now. What about in 100 years? You know? I know, and that's, or not in 100 years from now, but like the 100th anniversary, rather. You know, 50 years from now, what do you, like, I'm, being that you've seen the past 50 years, what do you think could be in the future for the next 50 years of hip-hop? And either of you can start with, if you guys have an answer for that. Well, I hope I live another <laughs> 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 Wow. Um, I mean, I hope, I hope uh, people really, um, I would say like the way Michelle Alexander said it mm. um, earlier this evening. I hope we continue... Um, you know, taking it to where it goes, like be militant. We're going to like, you know, like right. it took, you know, with the student organizing thing that she said earlier this evening where she's uh, earlier this afternoon where it took a student organizers to um, bring a black studies program that she was saying earlier mm -hmm. and um, <coughs> and how it took and it's going to take student organizers to to keep the programming. I think it's the same thing with hip hop, yeah. you know? To, to even evolve it. Like, I think, I believe the same thing with hip-hop. It was the young generation that really brought hip-hop. And that's why I love hip-hop for all who brings it. I love the young generation that brings hip-hop today and what they continue bringing. Most like, when you were talking yesterday, uh, everything that you were saying, I loved hearing everything that you were saying because you were feeding me everything that you were bringing with all the the new folks and the the folks that I may not know um, yeah. or know of, and it was feeding me 
everything Don was telling you, I was like, yes, this, yeah. is, this is feeding me. Yeah. So you bringing that, and I hope the newer generation is going to teach, continue teaching us. So for me, I want, in terms of politicization, I hope that it brings militancy. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, and when me and Davy and Rosa were talking the other night, like we don't know what lies ahead of us, and 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 uh, we were talking about it may seem bleak the future, but I don't know that. I mean, I really don't know that. I hope for the better. I like to. I, I like to be. I want to be <laughs> positive about the future. Sure. Um, but with all the things that are happening currently, with all the things that keep coming at us, um. It could almost seem like it is bleak, but I would like to think that I believe in our current generation and the generations in us because I know me currently right now, the fighters and the warriors like me. I know the ancestors before us who have fought and have resisted and have been militant. And because I know the people before us taught us and I know the current us that are teaching the generation now and the generations after us, I believe that we are raising the militant folks mm-hmm. after us. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I know that they're going to bring it. So I have faith in that. And I know that it's going to bring the freedom that our people, all our peoples deserve. Right. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I know that the hip hop generation of the past, present, and future is going to bring it. That's what yeah. I believe. Well, so that's you. what I'm hoping that's yeah. yeah, that's great. 15 yeah. years is going to bring. That's, that's what great. I'm hoping. Yeah, okay. and I mean, like, you, you're saying that the future may look bleak sometimes, but hip-hop really is a beacon of light, and I think yeah. it's a beacon of light that comes up and attracts yeah. folks who, who do want to make a difference and who do want to make change, and I think that's we see that. Mm-hmm. Davey, how about yourself? What do you hope to see for hip-hop in the next 50 years? So I want to shout out uh, the homie Adam Mansback because I remember he was uh, talking about Jazz being uh, 100 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, over 100 years old. And he had said hip-hop is a lot further in its 50 years than jazz was. Mm. Right. And that's so yeah. that's something that we need to look at. I mean, we have recordings. We, are, we have moguls. We've done a lot mm-hmm. um, with that. So to really understand hip-hop, you have to understand that it's not the music. It's the expressions, mm-hmm. right? And we... You know, those expressions have been in the black community in particular forever, and by extension, they've been in many other communities. The drum, the drums are languages and tools and, you know, and, and you know, sources of healing and inspiration in many indigenous con- uh, communities and nations. Um, the oral tradition exists in many communities and nations, and that's a continue, and hip-hop is a continual uh, continuation of that. It's a manifestation under another name um the um the movement dance is a language right mm-hmm. that's been around forever so we always have that and you know the 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 graph if you want to put that you know we've always had writings and things like that you know sculptures and artifacts so to speak so that will continue uh, it might not be called hip-hop 30 years from now or even five years from now, but those expressions that come out of people wanting to make a way out of no way will continue. Mm-hmm. What I want to see happen, and this is building off of the, the thing about being militant, every generation has its challenge. Mm-hmm. And your generation with technology and the 
advent of history mm-hmm. and history with people that are still alive and not necessarily trying to rewrite it, f- you know, m- within our community and seeing the mistakes that were made, et cetera, et cetera. You, your, your, your mission, which I emphatically say, mm-hmm. is that I'm going to be asking what weapon have you formed for the, the protection of our community? Mm-hmm. And when I say weapon, I really mean that. Um, Elon Musk and his community designed fire th- flamethrowers that you can't get. And when you do, when he does sell them, you know, they're like $6,000 a pop, right? Yeah. So w- where's our flamethrower? What is, what is your TikTok generation? I'm not saying that to be derogatory, yeah. but, you know, what are you all thinking about? What's the weapon? You know, they got ghost yeah. guns. Are you making a new type of situation? Yeah. That's Wh- a good question. And yeah. so I think, I think part of that militancy is got to be, you know, what are you forming offline yes. and creatively thinking about offline, not TikToking it. Like, what's the weapon we coming up with? Yeah. What, yeah, what's what's going to protect us? Yeah. You know, when they come up with the flamethrower that he probably gave to a bunch of people, mm-hmm. how are we going to protect ourselves? What's the strategy? Sure. And I think that's something that, you know, that that a generation that is in college now needs to be thinking about. Yeah. You know, you're in a war. And they made it clear, yep. I'm not your friend. And any chance that I absolutely get, I will vanquish you, you know, and keep, st- I will stomp on you to get rid of you and keep it moving. That's how they see it. The cruelty is the point. Yeah. Right. Well, th- th- it's not a cruelty. It's For them, it's survival. Mm-hmm. You're outnumbering us. Uh, your yeah. influence is starting to seep into my kids. Yeah. Yep. You're like cockroaches that I don't want in the house. And I'm looking at them as your cockroaches that I don't want in my house. Yeah. I'm absolutely 100% committed to not losing, and I'm also 150% committed to, you know, um, vanquishing you, you know, because you made it very clear with the amount of terrorism that you have put on our communities, economically, physically, mentally, and even spiritually, that you're not a friend. And you're not, there's no moral compass inside you. There's nothing. You made it, you know, it can't be more clear. Sure. So the only thing left is for us to figure out how you will not only be able to protect, but be able to once and for all eradicate an enemy that no matter what you do up to this point has shown no willingness Mm. to love you. Mm-mm. And to even let you exist. And I think Michelle Alexander made it clear. You know, we had a little victory where we were able to change the warden from the mean warden to the cool, war- to the to the nice warden. Right. But Biden is still a warden, right? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they still come from the mindset of, we don't want you. Just today, the Senate, the Senate, the Senate that your generation played a pivotal role in making sure would give it a democratic majority wasn't our generation was your generation that went out there and did that organizing. Do you know what the Senate did? They said, let's get rid of this whole thing with loan forgiveness. Yeah. That's a freaking, I was seeing some of that. That's a slap in the face. Yeah. Yeah. So so what that said to me is like, I'm going to make sure that you still are a sharecropper. You fought to get me into a position to make sure that you can, like, hey, can we own some of this mm. land? Can we no longer be a sharecropper? And those people 
who some of them you held your nose and said, I'm holding nose, but I'm trusting yeah. that I'm going to put, came today, mm. not the Supreme Court, not any of that. The people we the, put there. Yeah. Some of the people that right. you put there right. said, let's make sure that Elijah still has to be a sharecropper. And maybe Clifford, too, uh, yeah. you know, also <laughs> has to be a sharecropper as well. Yeah, yeah I still as, got loans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that should be a clear indication that that leopard never changed its stripes. Absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely. And so, so the reason why the leopard let you in yeah. was because it feared you. Yeah. And so you better rank up the fearness and, and be like, yo, like for real, like you, this is how you do me. All right, say yeah. less. You know, let me put down this coffee, and I'm I'm really <laughs> put a different type My of goodness. hand on you. And when I say hand, yeah. what I'm talking about is let's not romanticize like I'm going to sit there. No, you can outthink yeah. that enemy. They're not the smartest. Yeah. Right. You should be able to outthink, and you also have to rest in the assuredness that you're going to win this. By, absolutely going to win this. And you got to remind them your time is up. Like mm-hmm. this shit here, that was okay. That's an indication. Like I'm gonna hasten your the time. You know, I'm gonna hasten that time. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna move it up a, a, a couple of months. Advance the clock. Advance the clock. And I think we got to be thinking that way. While at the same time, you are sitting there figuring out what are gonna be the new mouse traps that we develop. We got to be in that mindset. You want to know the next level of hip hop? Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> developing. Tools that are going to allow you to survive and thrive. Don't tell me that you got a new, you know, uh, uh, rhyme pattern or, or or beat juggling pattern. You can do that for fun, but you better be able to be like, oh, you know what? I knew how to inflect my voice, so now my voice, you know, you know. Your uh, voice is the weapon. The, yeah. My voice is a weapon because it, 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 it actually physically harms them because you figured out an, uh, uh, a wave in which to do your dance and the way that you bring vibration together, it 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 changes the dynamics. You got to be moving so spiritually. You got to advance, right. you right. know. And those are things that I think need to be explored because I know they're trying to figure it out. Like how 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 the hell did they get five thousand people dancing like that? How are they getting people all hyped up in the church? You got they're looking and trying to figure it out. Yeah. Use that to your advantage and and and, and make sure that there's 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 a serious price to pay for their betrayal. Absolutely. Or Damn. how did they get like five thousand people to an organ to organizing? Right. You know right. what I'm saying? That's and if like they're organizing. Right. Why aren't we organizing? No, right. we, got 5, oh, we, we got five thousand. Oh, we got five thousand people to okay, in action. You, right. right. You're talking about last night, yeah? yeah no, yeah. I mean, but we got five thousand people here. This is the culmination of yeah. okay, 15, 20 cool. years. Of of work, right? Okay, so I see so I see so can't be resting on the walls. We got five thousand people here. Now the thing is, are you networking? Yeah. Okay. What what's going to be the next bill? Don't put it on TikTok. But when we wake up one day, there should be like, yeah, we got a lot of stuff, and we 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 prepared to fight. Yeah. We okay. prepared to go on, and 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 again, the fight comes on many levels, right? Fight comes in in a spiritual plane, a physical plane. Um, an economic plane, like you know what? I don't really need, I don't really need your services no more. So, be gone. Yeah. You know we yeah, don't yeah. we don't we don't need your watches no more. We don't need your sneakers no more. We yeah. we, we, we make, make it our own. own. We make yeah, our that's own. Right. And so that becomes a weapon. So I think we have to be in that mindset right. to once and for all end this war. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Thank you. 
All right, well. Powerful. Very powerful. All right, folks. (laughs) Well, DJ Cutting Candy, DJ Davey D., Thank you so much for coming Thank on. You both. Both. Thank, Thank you both. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this was <laughs> truly a blessing. All right. Peace, folks.